0: It's a good week. It's rivalry week. It's Patriots Bills, but more importantly, folks, I'm going to hold it up. I'm going to hold it up. It's Throwback Week. It's Retro Week. That's why I got everything on. I was I was at the first Retro game myself personally. It's it was twenty nine nothing. We'll see what happens tomorrow night. But folks, this is a big big get for me because for the first time ever, I'm at first actual Patriots reporter on the show, Kyrie Thompson from W E I, host of First and Foxborough. How are we doing tonight?
1: impeccable in the words of uh, Cam Newton from yesteryear.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh. It's like I know what happened last week kind of left a bit of a sour taste in our mouths, but Yeah. There's like this I'm going to be honest with you, I watched while I was waiting for you, that I saw the Pats are you ready video online and I'm like needed to see that cuz it gave me that like yep. little bolt of juice of energy to like get excited to talk more excited than I already was to talk to you. Yeah. About this game tomorrow night.
1: You know, it's it's interesting because I mean, from from my perspective. Right. So I got to go out there and it's 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 interesting as I think about it right now. It's like a weird full circle moment for me because (laughs) the first Patriots game I ever covered was Bill's Patriots at Gillette Stadium in twenty nineteen week. 16 that yeah oh, was week 16 that, that year that was the year that the Patriots clinched the division at home Uh Julian Edelman you know ripped off like a hundred yard game even though he was only he only had like one leg that he was working on or whatever you know and and that was uh, the the last win that Tom Brady had in that stadium I mean and, and I was there for the wild card game too those were the first two Patriots games I covered pretty wild and so now it's like returning to the semen of the crime in a way but the circumstances are totally different now because the bills are the, are the, are the top dogs. And I'll tell you what, man, the last primetime game the Patriots had here was super weird. I'm kind of looking forward to some more weird stuff tomorrow night.
0: I, I am too. I am too. You know what? It's Thursday night football. I get to live on a dream of mine. Just watching the game at home getting in Kirk Street call the game for prime. Um, what was I going to say? I'm trying to remember. Oh, the last one was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was the Bucs game last year, the game where everyone thought, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Unless I got that wrong. That was the last primetime game in Foxborough.
1: But um. well, the, well the, the last primetime. So so you're talking about just period. No, It was the Bears. It was Monday night football. Chicago Bears. I see. Everybody wants about to. That. Everyone <laughs> wants to forget about that. See, the thing is, I'm a Chicagoan. Originally, oh, so I'm not going to forget about that. Um, also because, I mean, I didn't pick the bears to win that. So I'm just as shocked as everybody else was. And then obviously you have the weirdness of the Mac zappy thing. And I I mean, just in the press box, we're all just like, there's no way this is happening. Is this really happening right now? Like, like, first of all, that Mac Mac gets benched and then you're getting carved up by the worst offense in football, though in hindsight, you're looking at it and you're like, okay, Justin Fields might actually be awesome. So maybe you don't feel that bad, but to to get away from the, the, uh, you know, Chicago bears, you know, portion of this, right. That was one of those games where I, I kept on telling people, anybody that was going to listen that after the Lamar game and, and after some of the things that you saw last year against Josh Allen, this was going to be a problem guys that run quarterbacks that run. And this is the, the, what, fourth time now in the last two years, they've gotten absolutely just, just shredded by a guy that runs and scrambles and extends plays. And so, I, I mean, I'm going to be interested to see if they've got anything for Josh Allen tomorrow night that, that will, that will make that will mitigate that. Because if not, I mean, goodness gracious, this could be a tough one.
0: That's why I'm, I'm not trying to think ahead, but I'm worried about the next game for that sake for the running quarterback. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, on prime time again to Monday night football. Uh, my thing with that bears game too, is when everyone was saying the max appy thing aside, I was just like, that was a bad night all across the board. Oh, we yeah. have them in every sport offense defense. I'm sorry. When Dante Pettis is running crazy routes on you, that's when you're <laughs> getting carved up special teams too. It was oh, just God. like a bad night across. That's what that game was. It was a bad night. But since then, it was all good. Max looked better. I look at the Max Zappi thing of, hey, it wasn't ready. But then ever since coming back, Max gone 3-1. and one, So I'm not too, too crazy about it. The way I look at it is, Stidham's a guy you want to have because you don't want Jared Stidham there. They were
1: tired of Jared Stidham. Yeah, thought, a guy you want, yeah. yeah a backup Zappi's you can there, trust. Yeah. Kind of like what the
0: Jets are getting with Mike White right now in New York. Like, yeah. New York, you're welcome for that.
1: Right. Right. No, exactly. Because look, when when it comes down to it, you I I think part of what I think people had issues with or or like had a hard time getting over is usually when when you see the backup quarterback in there, you expect the backup to be bad. And then when the backup's not bad, you're like, oh, my goodness, what have we been missing out on this entire time? And there's a lot that goes into that. Right. Especially when you look at that Bears game in particular. Right. Where Zappi comes in and leads two straight touchdown drives. They were running. Dip, they were just running a different offense. Everything about Bailey Zappi being in the game versus Mac Jones being in the game, like at least in that short burst, it was something that the Bears I, I don't think were fully prepared for. They were getting ready for Mac Jones and, and the concepts they, they you know, ran there, and then after the you know kind of element of surprise was gone, then well they went back to he went he turned into Bailey Zappi again, the the pumpkin version, and yeah. so it was like ultimately. What what you want out of a backup is what he gave you for those couple of games. And granted, he played good football. But I think what you saw, what you've seen at points, and certainly what you saw against the Vikings – is that Matt Jones can just make throws and do things that Bailey Zappi cannot do. And look, I'm saying, look, right now he can't do. Because like, I watched Bailey Zappi in in training camp and OTAs and, and, and like all of that. So I think that the, the, the thing that was grating on me for a while is to be like, oh my goodness, look at Bailey Zappi and and how amazing he is. And I'm just like, I've seen this guy for like five months. And, and that's still a fourth round rookie. Like, Listen, I get it twisted here. And I think that what what I saw a, a, a little bit, and I haven't really made these comparisons it's kind of the first time I'm doing it, but like yeah. there were a couple of throws that Mac made that it's just like, there's no, those are indefensible throws. Like those are just big boy NFL throws that you would expect like a top 10 quarterback to make. I'm not saying Mac Jones, is a top 10 quarterback. He certainly has not played no. like that. Let's not, I'm not saying that at all, but those are throws where it's like, okay, that's not just stuff that every old NFL quarterback does. And so I'm like, that's what you would be asking to sit down on the bench. Like that kind of potential, a guy who has that ability to do stuff when he's protected. I think that was really the case. Give a lot of kudos to the offensive line for the job that they did protecting Mac Jones in that game and giving him the opportunity to make the throws that he made. Of course, when you got down to the end of the game and it's like, okay, we have to pass. And, and now things are a little bit more crunch time. It's a little bit more predictable. Well, that didn't work out. And that's been a problem all year. That's not a uniquely Mac Jones issue either.
0: Yeah. That's, that's the way I looked at that drive too. And everyone's saying, Oh, what a bad game winning drive. When New England got the ball back with like 40 seconds left, I'm like, they're, they're not winning this game. There's like, there's only certain quarterbacks in that moment that can go out there and truly Pull off a crazy miracle like that. Uh, one of them just happens to be coming to Foxborough tomorrow night. Um, the, <laughs> He's the, done it like however many times this year. Last week he did it. Last week. Yeah. Um, the way I look at this team right now, they kind of are. I'm going to quote Dennis Green. They are who we thought they were. I feel like for everyone out there saying like, "Oh, this team's bad. This team's this," I'm like a seven and four. I know they're six and five, but like a six and five or seven and four is kind yeah. of where I realistically had them back in August. Um, I look at certain things too, where I'm just like, Hey, you know what? They got off to a bit of a rocky start. They found their groove. Um, but the next thing I want to get to you is, do you feel that tomorrow night is truly a must win game? Or if they like, if it's a dog fight and they lose by like three or four, it's not like the universe is falling.
1: I mean, it all depends on what your expectations are because if your expectations are you want the Patriots to make the playoffs. If they don't win on Thursday night, where are the other? Like, Okay. For example, I had this team at nine and eight to finish up the season. And with nine and eight, not even being quite good enough to make the playoffs. Now, I mean, it it might be, who knows how it'll shake out, but nine and eight has you competitive. It has you in the mix. They're in the mix now. Right. But if you don't beat the bills, then you got to win three more games. And where are those wins coming? I mean, obviously the the Patriots have played better, more consistent football than the Cardinals and the Raiders, but you can't pencil either one of those games in as wins, I I would say. And I I don't think the Patriots are that good where you're like, oh yeah, they're definitely going to beat that team. Especially when you think about the fact that Kyler Murray might just run up, down, and all around all over your defense, the way he's, you know, all the other kind of top five rushing quarterbacks of the last five years or the last couple of years have done, right? So if if you can't pencil that in and then you can't even really say, Oh yeah, we're definitely going to beat the Raiders. I mean, yeah, the Raiders haven't played great football, but they've played better of late and they've got Josh McDaniels who it's not like, Oh my goodness, Josh McDaniels is the greatest coach in the world, but you've seen this a couple of times where Josh McDaniels or Matt Patricia or what have you, like maybe they're not, great overall and they have bad seasons and they get fired and all that stuff but man when it comes to playing Bill Belichick they just seem to have the dude's number I mean Josh McDaniels had a horrible stint in Denver in his first go around as head coach and he still beat the Patriots right Matt Patricia was terrible with the Detroit lions and they still beat the Patriots. So you can't pencil, you, you can't ink that one in either. And then after that, you got the Bengals, the dolphins, and the bills again on the road to finish the season. So if you don't beat this team tomorrow, you have to win your next three games. You have to basically, or, or that's it for you. At
0: least the way I see it. It's basically playing January football in December. It's basically you have it's basically every game is a playoff game. They're out like you hear teams already hearing that for like November. They're pretty much done. You know, it's the ones there. I just don't want to see this team, you know, where it's like, hey, they're giving you that false sense of hope. I'd rather you know yeah. what it's you win tomorrow. You see what happens. The other thing that worries me about the Cardinals, too, is the fact that, it, that they are coming off a bye and everything like that. And this Cardinals team should have beat the Patriots two years ago. That's a game I always stand by. that. But the Cardinals shot themselves in the foot, not getting a touchdown <laughs> before half. Um, An unnecessary roughness uh, penalty where Isaiah Simmons went after Cam Newton after he stepped out of bounds, which set up the Patriots in the field goal range. So there's little things like that 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 Cardinals game worries me. But when it comes to tomorrow night, though, there's just so – I think there's so much pressure just because, you know, it's the first game since the playoff – we'll call it a whooping because that's what it was. It was a whooping. Um, There's the impacts to the Josh Allen ever since Tom's left the, the Patriots. He's come in to Gillette and just dominated two straight games. There's the, the bills are a team that we don't know what they are at the moment. Like sure. They're eight and three. They're good, but barely beat. They let Cleveland get the backdoor cover. Um, For those of you folks out there. Yes. That's a big deal. Um, They barely beat the Detroit lions. A team we handedly took care of literally seven weeks ago. And then there's the, the cuckoo game they had against Minnesota, kind of similar to our game, not in the sense of, what happened but the back and forth to it so when I look at tomorrow night I see it as a perfect opportunity for people to finally go and say you know what hey the Patriots are a team that can go out there and beat with anyone they can compete with anyone you don't want just that participation ribbon no you're looking for the gold battle tomorrow night and I hope they, they can find it
1: and you know look I, I think that it's easy to look at at that game and say, especially when you, when you think about the most recent history against the bills and just yeah. how bad that was. And really the last two games, right? Cause the bills didn't punt in either one of those last two nope. games. It just happened that, well, in the wildcard game, they just scored touchdowns every single possession. And they didn't do that when they came to Foxborough. I look at that. And I say, okay, look, I, I think this game will probably be more competitive than people think that, that it's going to. And I mean, look, I, I, think the bills are, are better. And, and I've got to be completely honest with you. I don't think that there's anything schematically that the Patriots can do to stop Josh Allen or stop this offense. I don't think they have the, the scheme. I don't think they have the personnel. I think they've got the answers. I think they've got every single answer they could possibly want. It's going to come down to, is Josh Allen healthy, which he's not fully and how much is that elbow bothering him? I mean, they've had a weird couple of weeks, and Josh Allen's been making some uncharacteristic mistakes because I think he's pressing because he knows he's not quite right. At the same time, he's still Josh Allen, he's still out there when he needs to, leading those crazy drives and still flicking 50 yards, you know, with, with, with a flick of the wrist, even though his you know elbow is about to fall off. Like he's he's just he's something else. Like I just there there are he's got to be one of the most athletically gifted quarterbacks that has literally ever played in the NFL. I mean, it's, it's insane. And I feel like, again, I'm thinking back to that week 16 game, the the very first game that I covered with, with him being at Gillette and he made a throw where he's getting, he's getting hit by like two guys or something like that, fading backwards and drops it in the bucket for a touchdown. Like, 50 yards in the air or something like that down the field to, to like a uh, John Brown and ends up going for a touchdown. I'm like, Oh my God, like this guy is just that that was it for me. Cause I think before that I was kind of iffy on him, yeah. but I, I think that to kind of sum it up, to get back to the point, I don't know that there's anything the Patriots can do specifically to to be like oh yeah we're gonna stop josh allen we're gonna shut them down it's gonna be can you take advantage of some of the mistakes josh allen has been making of late like he's gonna have to beat himself i think yeah. and then offensively man like they're not gonna offensively the patriots are just not gonna do anything particularly unique they're not going to reinvent the wheel. They're not going to have anything crazy and revolutionary for this game because they haven't done it all year. They didn't do it against the Vikings or what have you. All they did last week was protect better. Can they protect Mac Jones well enough to allow him to do what he can do? And I think that if you're going to win this game, if the Patriots are going to win, this might have to be the you win because of Mac Jones, because he did it.
0: This could be a true coming out party for him. This could be where he makes a throw – um, the way the words you use for Josh Allen, it reminds me of how they approached the Justin Jefferson method last week. Mm. You're not going to stop him. You're going to see why he's such a good receiver. Do your best to contain him. That's what's going to have to happen tomorrow night. It's like Stephon Diggs, the same thing, where Diggs yeah. is going to make those plays. He's going to make those catches. Yep. I'd be more worried about them shutting down, you know, the Dawson Knoxes, the Gabriel Davises, the Isaiah McKenzie's. Limit those guys so that you force Josh into those critical, say if you have like a third and seventh throw that he's trying for digs is covered, but then everyone else is covered. So he just has to huck it in the air and hopefully it's a pick. Um I'm also not saying that tomorrow night two, two, pa- two passing attempts for three completions is going to happen for 19 yards thrown. It's supposed to be windy to Foxborough tomorrow night. So it very yeah. well could happen. Yeah. But the two players I think that are huge keys to the Patriots offensively, is Mac and it is Ramondre because I think the Von Miller absence is gonna be felt. And on the Buffalo side, I think the Dion Dawkins absence is gonna be felt. I yeah. think Matthew Judon, I think he gets 14 and a half. I think he gets mm. to gets a sack because that defensive line was quiet last week. They're they're starving. They're they are starving. So we'll see what happens there. But my take with this game honestly, I think it's also to what defense could come up and make a play besides the quarterbacks. I think it's what defense can shut down when it matters most. Like 2020, when we were in Buffalo, remember? You forced Cam Newton into a fumble and the Bills won that game when well, he could have gone down yep. and kicked the field goal in OT. Yep. I could see a very similar situation tomorrow night. I also don't see a crazy shootout tomorrow night. I see a low, like a low, you know, 20 points, will, 24 points will probably win you in this game
1: especially with, with the gusts that are expected, at least in the first half, it's supposed to calm down after that. I mean, the thing is like Josh Allen can throw it through literally any wind you could devise. He was over here rifling it through the wind down in Buffalo in the snow globe game, right? The, the, the blizzard game last year, which yeah. was absolute insanity. And you're not asking Mac Jones to do that. But I, I think I agree. This for, There are a couple of things that I think need to be watched. First of all, the Deion Dawkins absence, I think is going to be a big deal. It's not... So, Deion Dawkins is your left is is the left tackle for the Bills. Matthew Judon doesn't typically line up over the left tackle; he usually lines up over the right tackle. Now, I, I mean that said, you still got Dietrich Wise and and Adam Josh Greer. Uche who had himself a sack. And if you can take advantage of, in theory, it's probably going to be David Quessenberry. He's probably going to be your, your back. He was the one who came in for Dawkins when he got hurt last week. He's fine. He's not anything spectacular. I feel like you should be able to get some pressure on him and, uh, and, and especially Uche. I mean, look, you bring him in as a situational guy, let him cook. I mean, his speed off the edges is, is something else. Right. And then Judon gets to work against Spencer Brown, who quite frankly has been bad a lot of the time. So now that said, Judon's probably going to see a lot of attention. This is where Wise, Uche, all these other guys become very important because Judon is going to consistently be the object of the other team's attention because he's the NFL leading sack guy, right? He gets, he gets a ton of pressure. He's difficult to contain. They like to loop him. They they do all kinds of different things to free him up. So they're going to be chipping him. They're going to be throwing multiple bodies at him. They're going to be aware of him no matter where he is. That means somebody on the other side of this has got to win a one-on-one matchup. And I think the underrated thing that I, I thought about this at the time when Christian Barmore wasn't able to play against the Bears. And I thought to myself, you know what? This could be much bigger than I think people are making it. He was one of the other guys, arguably the only other guy. If you leave him one-on-one, he was going to beat you. okay? And that's why he was getting a ton of double teams. And because Christian Barmore is getting a ton of double teams, Matthew Judon was eaten, right? I think that that, that's part of it. You can't double team everybody. you got to pick and choose your battles. So I think that is is another thing with the more attention that's being focused on Judon. It's getting harder. That means somebody else has to step up. And then the other guy on defense that I actually wrote about this, it could be Jack Jones that, that could play a factor here because they were starting to use him a little bit to run around with Justin Jefferson when Miles Bryant was starting to struggle, he had a bunch of penalties, he got he fell down in a route later on. He got picked. I mean, it was not a good day for, for Miles Bryant last Thursday. And so they start they slid Jonathan Jones on occasion back into the inside, into the slot. And they said, Okay, Jack, like you run around, have fun, go go get him, go get him, kid. <laughs> and so if they do that again with having him shadow Stefan Diggs or just generally play on the outside, which could be a thing that maybe happens more because uh, Jack Jones has been pretty good in coverage, all things considered, and the Bills pass a ton, right? So they're not necessarily a team you think of, oh, yeah, they're going to run the ball down your throat. And oh, my goodness, I don't want to have Jack Jones getting isolated against the run. They're going to throw the ball. That's what they do. So in that case, maybe you want to have your best coverage guy or one of your best coverage guys in Jack Jones on the field. And if you're able to do that, then maybe you can put Jonathan Jones in the slot and maybe that's how you mitigate some of that Isaiah McKenzie madness that that was a huge problem, especially in Gillette last year when they came down for week 16 was Isaiah McKenzie to the left, Isaiah McKenzie to the right. They were trying to cover him with Miles Bryant. Miles Bryant was not fast enough. They didn't do a good job of rerouting McKenzie off the line of scrimmage. And it was just a foot race. And Miles Bryant's never going to win a foot race with Isaiah McKenzie. Jonathan Jones might at least tackle the guy before he gets the first down. So there, there are a couple of things to to consider with that with Ramondre. Look, it's going to be a pretty heavy day at the office for him without Damian Harris. And I'm, I'm going to be curious to see who spells him. My guess would probably be Kevin Harris because that's what they did earlier in the season. I don't know if they trust Pierre strong enough to do that, um, especially not after yes. the penalty he had. So yes. mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I don't really see him playing and I don't think they're going to do much with JJ Taylor. Uh, and besides I, I guess I would have to check the rules, but I feel like if he was going to be elevated from the practice squad, we would have found out about it already, but maybe I'm I'm misremembering the rules there. But I think if you're going to pick one, it's probably going to be Kevin Harris that's going to have to do something. Um, But the rest of the time, Ramondre Stevenson, saddle up.
0: I, I think the same thing too. My, I also have a take with Damian Harris, where I think he, he's going to have a new uh, scenery next year. I think I don't think he'll be back with the Patriots. I know we don't like to talk about that this early on. I just look at him and I'm like, you know what? I think he just. I, I'd love to have him back. I just when I look at it, I think they're going to make Ramondre the pure RB one next next year. That's we can wait for that conversation down the road. Um, another thing I really look for tomorrow night when I look at a key or New England keys to victory is simple. Safeties. your Kyle Duggars, your Jabril Peppers.
1: That's what they're all here for. That's your best. That's your best defensive position group right there.
0: Yeah. Those guys are gonna have to do a job tomorrow night. Uh spying Josh Allen, uh Dawson Knox. I only say Knox because I know that a lot of the times Kyle Duggar has been on top of a tight end. They don't have their worst days. Look at week three this year. Mark Andrews lit up the Patriots defense. Why Kyle Duggar wasn't active? And then you look at the Lions game. T.J. Hawkinson had one reception for six yards. Now Hawk had a better game against the Patriots last week, sure, but when you look at it, those strong safeties are going to have to be spying. Uh, I see mm-hmm. Jabril Peppers making a play, and another guy I kind of like too to kind of have a couple big hits here and there is um, one of my newer pa- one of the newer Patriots I'm kind of liking, but uh, our little Mack truck that we got there in the linebacking core as well.
1: You know, it's interesting because I mean, Belichick made sure to shout him out specifically that Mac Wilson is one of the most athletic linebackers in the league. Now, part of the issue with with Wilson has been that sometimes he, he hasn't been quite assignment sound. Um, he's kind of been out of position at times, been kind of slower to fill gaps than he ought to. And there's a you know, a couple of runs or a couple of plays that, you know, you, you ought not. But man, he can thump. I mean, he can yeah. thump and he can get places in a hurry. And I feel like when you got to deal with somebody like Josh Allen, who's you know, six, five, 240 pounds or whatever, and he's just a bear to bring down. Well, having an, a, an explosive hitter like that can definitely be a big deal. And and to have the speed and athleticism, because there's a the thing like Jelani Tavai and, and Juwan Bentley, God bless them because they played pretty solid football. I mean, they're not catching that guy. Not really. So having Mac Wilson at least be able to rotate in and out in some of those situations where, hey, if you think he's going to run or if, if you got him in on a third down, he, you might be wary of the scramble. Having him in the game could be really interesting. And I think with the safeties, look, ultimately, that position group is the most important one for a game like this. And, and I've thought there was always a possibility maybe you could see four safeties on the field at once. And I feel like if this was a game, it could happen or if there was a game, it could happen to be this one because look, Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips, by the way, people don't talk about Adrian Phillips enough. That guy's awesome. He's a really good football player. A Great deal too. Yeah. He's, he's really good. And I think with Jabril Peppers, having that ability to kind of like be a pseudo-safety linebacker slot corner, he can really do whatever you want him to do, and to have him be that kind of chess piece, that to me is really valuable, especially in in a situation like this one where, I mean, they've got weapons all over the place. They've got speed all over the place. And to have Jabril Peppers be able to fly around and cut some of that field down because he is so twitchy and athletic – whether it's like maybe him coming up and, and getting on Josh Allen or maybe him running around after Dawson Knox or just making life difficult on a crossing route or something yeah. like that. This is where they're going to make their money, to me.
0: That's the, that's the exact thing. Like You're not going to contain these guys. You're not going to stop these guys. They're one of the best offenses in the NFL for a reason. But when you look at it, you always look for those X-Factor players. You always look for those players you know that – you don't exactly expect to make a play that are going to make a play and help you win the game. That's where it comes in because you know what, when like, even for example, on the offensive side of the ball, sure. Jacoby Myers can make a play tomorrow night, make a few catches, get a touchdown, but you want to look at, you know, Parker, you want to look at Thornton. You want to look for Kendrick Ford. God bless him. If he ever sees the field. And the player last week that I was screaming about is when you get Hunter Henry, the ball, good things happen. They try to use him too much in the run. For some reason, they're trying to use him as a blocking tight end when he's just not that. He's a pass-catching tight end. Let John New block and make those plays. Uh, my other big hope for tomorrow night is I know Isaiah Wynn's not going to be playing, but we I really hope David Andrews is in the line. That line did hold very well last week against Minnesota. I yeah,
1: give him credit, yeah.
0: I give him a lot of credit. I was worried last week because was getting cooked a couple of times where I was like, oh boy, how's this going to go? But then they held their own. We'll see how tomorrow night goes. But... You know what? When I look at this team, at the end of the day, I think that they have a real chance to win. I just, I just when I look at tomorrow, and I just can't see in my mind a blowout happening. I can't see them going out there and getting embarrassed. If it happens, it is what it is. I just, I can't see it. I just, I, I just can't because I feel like that's not who the Patriots are. I think that game last year in Buffalo was just a, uh, you know, everything was going right for the Bills defensively, yeah. offensively. The <laughs> Micah Hyde interception, for the love of God.
1: I mean, heck of a play. Look, I mean, I can see a blowout happening because I mean, we've seen it before, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a competitive game. I mean, it it could well be as the last game in Gillette where, where they, where they played each other here. It'd be a one score game, you know, late into the fourth quarter. And then maybe the bills just make a play and run away with it. Um, Or maybe it goes down to the wire. I mean, look, most of these bills games have been going out of the wire of late. So it would not at all surprise me to see the Patriots have an opportunity to win this game at the end. Why not? I mean, everybody else has been doing it. Right. So I I think that when I, when I look at this game and and you mentioned David Andrews and it it sounds to me as if there's some real optimism that he's going to, I mean, he said he's going to play, right. He said, he's good to go. He's going to play. I mean, to me, that says that he's probably going to play and you should pencil him into the lineup. I mean, I just feel like you got to see how 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 it is, how the leg is. Um, he's got to go through the pregame tests and, and make sure everything checks out. I mean, I thought that he was going to make a push to play last week, just the little bit that I saw of him in practice. Like, obviously, we didn't get to see very much because we, we generally don't as media. They kick us out after like five, six minutes or something, and then they go on with practice. But I saw him jogging around, and I was like, Oh man, this guy looks like he can actually play, uh, but, or sooner rather than later, at least. I didn't think they were going to do it last week because it was a short week, at least give him this week to, to rest up and then go into this Thursday weird game or what have you. And then you got more rest after that. Um, and then to see him, obviously I, I figured he would want to play this game because it's huge. It's a massive game. Yeah. Um, th- I mean, it very well could be the season right here. And I think it was going to take something pretty bad to keep him out. Um, But yeah, I think that all in all the offensive line, again, I said last, you know, a little bit ago that they held their own pretty well and James Ferentz, I've been kind of hard on James Ferentz um, and I I feel like I kind of blame him a little bit for some of the issues that have happened with Cole strange, not necessarily just from a communication standpoint, but because I mean, that's not a lot of protection for you on, on your right side, if you're Cole strange and Sometimes I think he was just getting mismatched against Quinn and Williams. And OK, look, Quinn and Williams is tough for anybody. So you can't feel that bad about James Ferentz losing that because a lot of guys are losing that a lot of guys are taking L's against Quinn and Williams. But I think he, he played better, certainly than, than I thought he was going to. But David Andrews is really your toughest offensive lineman. He's your leader. He's the guy that holds that whole unit together. And so having him back can only be a good thing. And then you go back to your your probably lone question mark then is right tackle. And as long as you only have question mark at, at, at one position, you could probably scheme something up for that. You know what I mean? So I, I would think hopefully that, that what they did um, up front to protect Mac Jones will persist against the Bills, and it's only going to be made easier by the fact that Von Miller is not playing. I mean yes. that is – that's a godsend uh, for this game. Uh, but yeah, I, I think ultimately look, as I mentioned before, the, the offense, the scheme and all that, there's still a lot of problems, a ton of issues with receivers running around in the same area that you can basically be covered by just one guy because they're, their spacing is horrible. You have, Bad play calls and bad play designs in certain situations where you've got three, four receivers running 15 yards down the field and not turning around and Mac Jones like, oh, what do I do with this ball? Because I don't have a hot route. And I'm getting pressured. I mean, there there are just a lot of schematic issues, just fundamental things with this offense that are just not going to get changed this year. There's nothing that they can do about it this year. But Mac Jones, if you give him time, he showed that he can kind of work around it and, and and make it work. And so you mentioned Hunter Henry. Yes, please. More Hunter Henry. Having your tight ends operating and, and being productive, I mean, that opens up this offense. We saw it last yeah. week. Also, for the love of God, can we please get the ball to Tyquan Thornton? I know he's a rookie. He's had a couple of drops. He's had a couple of issues. But he's one of the only people that he's, like, literally always the fastest person on the field when he's on it. And the Patriots have just been like, "Yeah, go down that way, Tyquan. Have fun. Go and draw some safeties. It's like, how about you get this guy the ball on a crossing route? Do the Isaiah McKenzie stuff with him. Make the bills pay. Give them a taste of their own medicine. I feel like the way that they've underutilized him has been really frustrating.
0: Make Nelson Angle or the decoy, and have Taekwondo run that like this quick slant route. Basically, just get a hitch slant go. That's what you can do with Taekwon. He has it. Uh, do you think they're still worried about him just because, considering he did break his collarbone in the preseason, or do you think it's just they're just being bullish on him and it's saying, you know what, hey, we'll 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 fully unleash you next year. It's kind of like how Ramondre was used last year, like where this year he's the horse, but then last year he was kind of like. Here and there.
1: I mean, it's possible. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like if they're playing him this much, because I mean, look, they're playing him a lot. They're basically playing him as you know, wide receiver three or wide receiver four. Right. So, I mean, he's above Kendrick Bourne on the pecking order. He plays as much, if not more than Nelson Aguilar a lot of the time. I mean, he's out there a lot. If they were worried about him, they wouldn't put him on the field. And I, and if they wanted to hide him, they wouldn't put him on the field. I think it's just that they pigeonholed him into this role because of his speed. And Oh yeah, it's a a threat to the defense and, and what have you. But, but once again, it's, it's unimaginative to just use him one way. It's the same thing they did with Nelson Aguilar last year where they just made him be the outside guy and just, okay, go run down the field and open things up for everybody else. You can do more than that. Right. And and so I I think that it's just another problem. I mean, you, Obviously, you heard me harping on it a bunch. It's another problem I have schematically with this offense that that they just haven't figured out creative ways outside of the Cleveland game yeah. to get Tyquan Thornton the football. I just feel like if you do that, that's just another thing that you can do. You got the fastest guy on the field; use him. Use basically, you have to
0: use people to their strengths and not their weaknesses. That's what we want to see. If you do, that's what I'm saying tomorrow night when the X factors come into play. Someone that you're not expected to make a play is going to have to make a play. I could go back to Super Bowl 42. If you had said going into the game that David Tyree was going to be the one to make the cuckoo catch, I don't know how many people would have believed you. Yeah. Uh, if the, the 28 to 3 comeback, I don't know if people would have said, hey, James White's going to be the guy to basically help win you the Super Bowl. I want to look at Julian Edelman. Danny Amendola, even though they did have huge parts, James White was the true catalyst. Malcolm Butler making the pick at 2 49 I know that's before your time covering the Patriots. It's just when you, it just bringing up Tyquan Thornton and how you can use him properly is something that can help you win the football game. And it just maybe go down the one bad example, but then three good examples. So I just wanted to throw that out there.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, in theory, this offense was supposed to simplify and make, you know, guys play faster, get the ball in the hands of your playmakers, right? That was what we heard about to start the season. And again, you heard all these stories about how the previous offense was so complex and you just chewed up and spit out all these skill guys who couldn't pick it up and couldn't do what Tom Brady wanted them to do. And you could only draft a certain, you know, kind of guy because he was the only one you could who could pick up the system and, and what have you. And and you made things simpler to Mitigate that, and, and to and to help guys like Taquan Thornton develop a little bit faster. And now you're not really developing, you're not using him in in that way. So, so to me, that's got to change. And, and look, I think to to pan out here, right? You know, ten thousand foot view. Ultimately, I, as I said before, did not see this team as a playoff team. I saw I saw them as a good team that would probably be just good enough, or you know, just like okay enough. To miss the playoffs. I mean, that's where they are right now. They're sixth and five. They're they are not bad. They're not great, but they're not horrible, right? They're they're fine. And and I think that you and they're one spot out of the playoffs. And so, that's where I could kind of see them being like, yeah, maybe they finish as like the eighth seed or something like that, and they just miss out. And when you look at it that way, I I think yes, they're they're trying to be competitive, and and I think they've got an opportunity still to make the playoffs. Absolutely at this point, but one of the other more important storylines here is develop your young talent because this is going to be your nucleus and, and you're going to have guys like Devin McCordy and, and Matthew Slater. This could be it for them. This could be their last season. Damian Harris, as you mentioned, I think he's probably gone. I thought he was going to be gone before the season. Uh, like like not that he was not going to be on the team this year. I, I, I don't mean that. I mean, like, I think that I thought that he was going to hit free agency, right? Uh, yeah. Because you don't pay running backs, especially like you don't pay running backs who can just, you know, just plow straight ahead. Um, So they're, they're, and you've got all kinds of turnover potentially happening in the receiver room after this year. And on the offensive line, you've got to figure out what some of these new guys are and you like them enough to play them. Now you got to figure out how to make, how to maximize them because look, if you don't make the playoffs this year, there's still ways for you to feel good about what the Patriots are doing. You can still feel good about Mac Jones. Like for example, Chicago bears are you know going to be, top five pick in the draft, but I bet you they feel pretty good about their quarterback right now. Yeah. They feel pretty good about what he's doing. You know, the, the Jaguars are going to be terrible, right. To finish the season, but I bet you they feel pretty good about Trevor Lawrence just because you don't make the playoffs. Doesn't mean that, Oh yeah. Well, Mac Jones ain't it. Like you could still see development, right? This ain't a linear path. And as long as you could see, keep the forest for the trees, you could still see positive things. But again, I just think the Patriots have the, the the team, the organization, the coaching staff have just made it so hard to feel good about things this year that you just hope that by by the time we get to the end that you can feel good about what some of these young guys have done.
0: That and not shooting yourself in the foot, that's the two biggest things this year because all the games I've lost have ultimately come down to little things that they've done to cost them games. Now, this like this stretch of the season's not like 2020. 2020 was, you know, false sense of hope. It was me thinking we weren't as bad as we really were because that team's a 4-12 team. I'm sorry, 2020 was just – that team was bad. Now, with this year, you miss the playoffs. You go 9-8. and 8, You go 10-7, and 7, but you miss because of, you know, X or Y didn't go right. Um, you look at it and say, hey, we can build towards next year. We have cap. We know yeah. that some of the teams that maybe made the playoffs this year maybe it was a blip in the radar because I'll tell you this right now. I'd rather be in the position that we're in than the New York Jets are in where your second overall quarterback from last year sucks, sucks, has attitude problems and is not being held, is not taking accountability for his actions. Meanwhile, we know that I loved, I loved it, Mac that after the bye week, he came out and said, I did a self-evaluation on myself. I basically am hard on myself. I know sometimes he can be a little bit too hard on himself, but you want to see that you want to see a leader Form and rise up and that's what we have so you know what it's one of those seasons where if we miss this year you can look ahead to next year and say hey next year's the year where you challenge and we're at this time of the year you are a six seed you are a five seed going into December
1: yeah and I think that when you look at the trends around the league a lot of it is in the third years of your rookie quarterbacks. that's the year that two up that, that yeah two up Jalen Hurts Josh Allen. I mean, yeah. people were kind of looking at Josh Allen. Well, he's a statistical unicorn because I mean, he, he had some, he had some really rough first couple of years, but you could see the hints of it at the end of that second year. So you got to take that stuff with context because again, by the end of the year, like when he was playing the Patriots in, in week 16 and I saw him, I was like, yeah, no, this guy's way better than I thought. And, and that was, that was, you know, again, it, it was, a little while in the making, but it was there. And so when he was, he hit his third year, he was ready to roll. So I think that the, the idea that we got to know if this guy's a superstar by the end of year two, that doesn't really happen anymore, or at least no. it, it, it it hasn't happened for a while. I mean, okay, Patrick Mahomes, right. Or in like Lamar Jackson, but there are extenuating circumstances there because most, most young quarterbacks don't just Get drafted into a system with Andy Reid and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and a Super Bowl caliber offensive line right off the bat. Or most teams don't immediately, you know, like come in and they have a bad fit in their in the offense their first year, and then they get a perfect fit for their skill set in their second year, like Lamar Jackson did. And then, oh great, he goes and lights the world on fire. That that that's not usually a thing. It's usually tougher because. You know, you, you're drafted into a bad team or transitioning team or, or what have you. And, you know, things aren't always perfect. It takes time to develop. I mean, people were going into this year saying, like, I don't I don't think Tua is it. Or, I don't think Jalen Hurts is it. I bet you those teams draft a quarterback. Or, like, even like people were saying, I think it was a mistake not to draft a quarterback to, you know, take over for Tua, take over for Hurts. And look at them now. All you had to do was give them good players, give them better players, and now look what they're doing. Right. That's to me, that's what you got to look at with Mac Jones. You got to revamp this offense um, and and give him guys that are going to keep on growing with him, building with him, and then try to see if you can find that kind of magic. And if you don't have it after year three, then okay, you could talk about moving on. Right, if you if you don't want to pick up the fifth year option or, or what have you, then then you can you can move on from there. But right now, I'm not seeing any reason to suggest that you have to move on for Mac Jones no. after year two. To me, I think what he's done lately, especially the way he's been trending up, right? That that game against the Vikings, that was only the latest data point in the upward trend for Mac Jones. It was just a little bit more quiet, right? So I think if you keep that up and you keep that solid play going. Then you have something you can feel good about next year with Mac Jones and all that salary cap and more draft picks.
0: Exactly. That's the big thing. Like, even to like the Bailey Zabby point from earlier is just hey, you want a confident backup in there. You want a backup you can trust. But with Mac, I'm not worried. I'm not panicking. Even the 10 to 3 Jets game, he played really well. So, like, there's no rhyme or reason to worry or panic about Mac Jones. And the only thing I'm here to say before we wrap up is Let's just hope the Patriots win tomorrow night, but we'll see what happens. And the other thing I want to add, too, about next year is they get to do it in a brand-new in a brand new renovated stadium. Not brand-new, but you guys know what I mean. For the Patriot fans out there, the new lighthouse, the wraparound screen, it's going to look beautiful. I can't wait to get back to Gillette Stadium and see that thing in person. But, Kyrie, I want to end on this note. If the people out there don't know exactly who you are or where yeah. to find you, obviously your handle's in there, or if they want to listen to the podcast – Tell them where they can find it. This is your chance. You plug yourself away.
1: Yes, sir. You can check me on Twitter at thompson 5 I'm literally always on there. You can check out my uh, you know, musings about the Patriots, um, about the NFL in general, about Lord of the Rings, about my kid. I mean, I tweet about all kinds of random nonsense. Um, I like to have fun with it. You know, Hit me up anytime. I'm all, like I said, I'm always on there. Um, and you can check out my podcast at First and Foxborough on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcast stream it download all that good stuff look okay i could really use the downloads please do and it's a daily podcast so if you want to stay up to date on on what's going on with the patriots the latest storylines what i what i got going on what i've heard down at Gillette Stadium like for example uh, one of my latest episodes uh, i was chatting with Dietrich Wise Jr about you know leadership and and just all and you know what he's learned during his time as a football player you can get that kind of stuff on the podcast as well. So make sure you're checking it out, staying up to date. Thank you very much.
0: We love to hear it. We love to hear it. Well, anyway, folks, that's going to do it here for episode number 197 of YWC football talk. We'll leave you guys with this as we go in. We're getting close to 200. That's the thing. We're getting that's, very close that's to 200.
1: Excellent. Congratulations, man. Well done.
0: Thank you, thank you. It's about three years in the making, this episode has been around
1: for. Yeah, it's funny because I'm like at like episode 130 or something like that, but it's because I'm literally doing it every single day, and sometimes I'm doing multiple episodes, so it's cheap.
0: (laughs) It's all good. You know what? All that matters is consistency and just giving a good product to the listeners or the viewers if you guys are watching on YouTube. But anyway, guys, we're going to wrap it up here, and I'm just going to leave you on two simple words, and those two simple words are Go Pats.